are listening to Loud on the Set with Kyle and James. A level-headed movie critic meets a loudmouth movie cynic. And action! All right, welcome back to the show. My name is Kyle. This is James. And today, James, what are we doing? Bird Box! Bird Box! Bird Box! Bird Box, Kyle. Bird Box! (laughs) Bird Box. Bird Box! Tell them about the challenge. A movie, Bird Box. And today we are doing the Bird Box Challenge. This whole podcast is being recorded blindfolded. Shit, isn't that wacky, folks? We are blindfolded. We just stumbled out. (laughs) There goes the lucky podcast. Pencil. Uh Oh, Oh, I spilled my lucky podcast. Oh my gosh, watch out. Oh, I hit the bell. I hit the bell. And you too can enjoy this podcast blindfolded as well. What a great experience that would be for everybody. I I, I can't wait to see the comments. People all listening blindfolded doing stupid shit. How immersive. Hopefully you don't get hit by a car in traffic. That's right. Bird box. Bird box. Bird box. Kyle, bird box. Go for it. Bird box. Um, Bird box, bird box. So, first of all, my first thought is, yeah. wow, because it seems like every single person on the planet was talking about this movie yep. online. Why the hell did everybody see this? Was it literally because Netflix just posted it on the front page and made you listen to that like crazy intro? And like, you know how you go on the front page of Netflix and it just starts trailers playing now yeah, and yeah, everything? Yeah. And it was just up there blasted out in front of everybody. I feel like that's why everybody saw it, right? Well, it's probably. so pushed into your face you can't avoid it. I again, I probably got this online somewhere, so apologies to whatever source I'm ripping off from. But uh, a marketing campaign, unlike Netflix has done in the past, in that they started releasing viewership numbers, like, "Hey, guess how many people have downloaded Bird Box? Six trillion or streamed it, I should say, right? Yeah. yeah. For the first time, I think ever, they started talking about that, so mm-hmm. they build their own momentum and internal hype like that. Uh, and then word of mouth uh, takes it from there. And uh, just a lot of, I don't know, fucking lying and bullshit about the quality. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very weird. And yeah, I marketing remem- hype, overhyped. Marketing Holy hype shit. for sure. And I remember uh, a few, maybe it was a year ago or something, when the next Cloverfield thing came out. Do you remember the Cloverfield Paradox or whatever yep. that was? It was uh-huh. another Netflix thing. Yep. And they were like, we're going to drop a special trailer during a football game. The Super Bowl, yeah. And then you can watch it after the Super Bowl. And of course, I fucking watched it after the Super Bowl because I'm a plebe robot. And, Kyle? And it was garbage. Yeah, I Absolute total fucking garbage. Well done, well done. Yeah, total garbage. <laughs> well, Cloverfield Paradox. It, this is this is something that I'm not an insider on the movie industry, despite the, the wild success of my podcast life. I'm not an insider. I don't know how this shit works. But <laughs> I get the feeling that movies are made, and if they don't, if they're not anticipated to make the cut in the theater, like, oh, mm-hmm. this will not do well at the box office, then Netflix buys the rights. They just Netflix is kind of becoming a dumping ground for movies that wouldn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I heard that the Cloverfield movie was, like, borderline shitty that it wouldn't make the sci-fi channel. Wow. No? That's rough. And that's kind of where I throw Bird Box. No yeah. offense to get into it. So here's, yeah, it's now to, to let's it's put like, a grade on uh, uh, Cloverfield Paradox. What, what do you know. grade it? I F? can't. I didn't see it. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we're now we're out of time. So we'll, uh, uh-huh. that was our Cloverfield Paradox review. <laughs> okay, now Bird Box. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's my deal with Bird Box. I thought that some aspects of it were great. Yeah. 
Um, some examples are the cinematography. Mm -hmm. I thought was interesting most of the time. Um, some acting was okay. I thought Sandra Bullock overall did a pretty good job with the material that was there. Mm -hmm. um, the story was fine. <laughs> and it was kind of interesting, the idea that they started with. And I liked that the focus of the story was about essentially her journey becoming a parent, more or less, you know, and, and kind of developing and figuring out what types of skills and, you know, and, and what being a parent meant to her. Um, those were the good things that I thought. Fair enough. Can I do some good things and then we'll yes. pick the shit out of this yes, thing? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> okay. I thought it was I thought part of the success to sort of tie it back to the comments earlier. Part of the success could be explained by the fact that it's it could be a fun winter movie watch. Mm -hmm. In other words, you get a couple of um, in my case, the honey baby and I were watching it on New Year's Eve. We're huddled on the couch. It's yeah. a cold night. We got hot chocolate and popcorn. Mm -hmm. And we're ooh, we're overreacting to the tension and yeah. the, you know, like so you can have fun with the movie. You, mm -hmm. know? you can cringe up when the blindfolds are on because you don't know what's waiting for them. You you ask the questions. What's happening? Why is that guy allowed to live? Da, 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 da. You know, you try to piece together. So it's, it could be a fun experience in watching it. You know, mm -hmm. so I can I can appreciate that. Um, I thought some of the tension building was good. Uh, last thing I'll say that I thought was good for now, and then we'll, we'll keep the conversation going. Was I felt like the apocalyptic feel, the sort of sweeping across the globe of an unexplained phenomenon that's taking down large swaths of the human population. I feel like, you know, for once it just kind of handled pretty well in the movie, you know? Yeah. Because you think about, I mean, really, this is just a, a much better version of The Happening, you know? Mm -hmm. This is like... Absolutely, fucking, yeah. This is, this is A Quiet Place meets The Happening. Meets The Happening, yeah. And, and everybody uh, kept comparing it to A Quiet Place. And I haven't even seen The Happening but oh my god, me neither. After I watched the Saturday Night Live skit about it, where Andy Samberg talks to plants or whatever, <laughs> I was like, "What the hell is this?" And then I read all about it. Um, I don't know why more people aren't comparing it to that movie because that seems like I think they are. You, but then the the sensory deprivation aspect made everybody yeah. immediately go to a quiet place. Yeah, and so I told the hundred eighty <clears throat> after she after we watched it, I said, "Yeah, it's like." This is a low-budget version of A Quiet Place dumped onto Netflix. And she didn't She didn't see The Quiet Place. I was like, oh, we're going to watch that. Because that is... If you thought this movie was good, and she did, mm -hmm. it's like, A Quiet Place is a million times better than this fucking movie. You know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So um, anyway, let's let's get into it. 10-second plot summary. Uh, there's a weird thing that's spreading across the globe. Maybe demons, who knows, that when you <laughs> see them, you want to kill yourself. And then you do kill yourself for the most part, unless you're insane. In which case, then you try and force other people to look at the stuff and kill themselves. And Sandra Bullock ends up running around and taking care of two children and trying to get them plus a group of people to safety somewhere. And then, uh, spoiler alert, they end up getting someplace. And there's a bunch of, hey, blind people that aren't affected by the demons. And so they survive. And <laughs> everybody's thrilled. The end. <laughs> So there's your 10-second plot well summary. Done, well so well, uh, what did you hate about it? Well, um, well, first of all... This the, ruined horror movies for me. No. Uh, before, <laughs> before we get into what I, I didn't like about it, um, another thing, I'll tack on another thing I did like about it, and that is they didn't feel the need to over-explain the demon. Now, 
you could go either way with this one because towards by the time you get to the end, the lack of explanation starts catching up to itself because the demons appear to be capable of some things and not other things. Like suddenly they're in their heads, putting voices in their fucking heads. Where earlier they they can't enter houses, but they could shake cars. It's like, well, mm-hmm. all right, so there's some fucking tiny fucking plot holes associated with what the demons can and can't do. But I like that they didn't get too deep into it because. Maybe we'll do this on a future review. That's why I felt like Hereditary, where it became unraveled. Mm-hmm. Trying to explain the shit out of that fucking thing. It's like, yeah. Just leave it as some curse that passes on through the bloodline. That's it. So I kind of like that. But what did I not like about Bird Box? Well, I thought the acting sucked. <laughs> I thought that the structure of breaking up a timeline and, you know, shout out to the Nolan brothers because I fucking have torn them a new one for this one before. And that is, your movie doesn't <laughs> become artificially more interesting just because you tell it in a fragmented storyline. And in fact, in this movie, it served to deflate all the tension because yeah. we know that none of those fucking people will be around at the end. Exactly. So why do I care about Rod from Get Out, the black guy uh-huh. with the glasses, when I know he's not around and I know that I know that the heroic uh, black guy that she hooks up with from, I think he's the guy from Moonlight, by the way. Oh, interesting. Yeah, just fucking cock diesel, that guy, man. Yeah. He's not making it to the end. I know all this mm-hmm. because they started the movie at the end. Yeah. I know it's just going to be Sandra Bullock and the two kids. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, tension, you know it is. Tension deflating. I watched this with my wife Kira, and while we now were, wife, by now the way. wife. Hey, look at that. Time passed. I wonder why it was hard to keep up with the podcast every week for <laughs> for, <a year laughs> for three years of running in a yeah. row. Um, anyway. Uh, we watched this, and it was funny because at one point I said, "Wow, I wonder who's gonna like make it." And she looked at me and she was like, "Stupid, nobody's gonna make it." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> She's like, "Don't you remember right at the beginning they showed that scene? Nobody's gonna make it." And then I, of course, justifying my stupidity, was like, "Well, maybe that's maybe they go someplace else, and she walks, you know, and takes the kids and goes on a different path or whatever." Right. But no, it was very much telegraphed after that point on, and. As they started doing the old classic uh, slasher movie, one drops at a time strategy that everybody was going to die. And yeah. it did deflate a lot of tension from there. a lot of attention. I agree. I felt like uh, you mentioned her journey to parenthood, right? Mm-hmm. I felt like that was really heavy-handed. Um, well, that was right a whole from, movie. That right was from like the, all they tried to do. <laughs> yeah, but right from the get-go, her sister, whoever that lady was. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you're not so good at this. Very unnatural dialogue between the sisters, which I thought yeah. was very weird. And then, Kyle, perhaps the most awkward fucking thing I've ever seen in a movie in my life. She named the children. What did she name them? Oh, I can't even remember. But oh, they, come it on. Was, no, it, for the whole no, movie, until, I know. until she gets to the end, it was, she calls them boy and girl. Boy and girl, but then when they get to the end, what does she name them? Olivia, and she names them after the guy from Moonlight. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And his name was, you know, a good name. So she eventually gives them good names. <laughs> good. But to show just how detached she was and how unmotherly, yeah. Kyle, that is the most heavy-handed, awful yeah. shit. It, it very much had a... Uh, it wanted to be more symbolic than it wanted to be a realistic, um, like, apocalyptic type of film situation. Yeah. Have you seen The Road? Yes. Yeah. So I, I was thinking about that movie while I was watching it for whatever reason. Um well, Obvious reasons. Oh, obvious reasons. Apocalyptic, Apocalyptic, whatever. Apocalyptic, single parent, yada, yada. Yeah, and and what you're saying, like, everything John Malkovich said and did, and, like, their group did in their homestead area, felt like it was supposed to just be a big metaphor for, like, trying to get along in the world with different types of people that have to, like, coexist. (laughs) And so I was so distracted by that the whole time instead of anybody putting forth any 
sort of realistic reactions to the actual scenario. Well, Kyle, I'm glad you said that because, like I said earlier, <clears throat> I, I kind of just enjoyed this as a fun New Year's Eve watching experience. I, I was spooked a couple of times. Yeah. I was startled and spooked. And but, I had fun watching it, honestly. Yeah. If we're being real, I totally had fun watching it. But here's the thing. It was fun to watch. I think it could have been more fun, and I think it betrayed how low budget was, how low budget the movie was, because they built up that tension, and then their payoff wasn't always necessarily that shocking or gory or thrilling. Like, a lot of times they sort of gave you a little bit of a soft landing. Yeah. You know, sometimes, yeah, sure, she swings a machete and hits the guy in the arm, but sometimes the payoff was a little tame, mm-hmm. firmly landing PG-13 territory. Yeah. yeah. Whereas A Quiet Place, woof. Mm-hmm. You know, so that to me is a difference in production value. Yeah. And that's where you, that's where, as far as I'm concerned, you can detect that um, Bird Box is lower budget. Because mm-hmm. they don't have the special effects, they don't have the, the sound editing capabilities and so on and so forth to make it really hit home. Yeah. But here's, here's, here's a big point, unless you wanted to say something about that. The only thing I was going to say is that while the movie itself was, you know, a Netflix original or whatever they're going to call right. it, <laughs> I feel like this, uh, this movie in this iteration of it probably could have been released in the theaters and probably would have been... Uh, more critically panned if it was released in yes. theaters as opposed to being something that just kind of like like when that YouTube album that YouTube album showed up on everybody's phones randomly and people were outraged and like what the fuck this is just in my home in my life now <laughs> I feel like that's what this movie is it's like it just found its way into everybody's home through Netflix and was just there and then just became like a conversation point for everybody to talk about yep and you don't get mad you don't get as mad at something or you don't subject it to the same critical analysis because if you got it for free right and you're in on it you know and everybody's in on it so here's here's something i want to say we we agree then we agree that we had fun watching it right i sure did and i know that in my conversations with people at work and stuff like that different workplace from kyle now by the way um i said yeah yeah, i mean i kind of had fun with it i didn't subject it to analysis because this guy i was talking to he wanted to analyze it like Blind faith versus this, that, and the other thing in the society. Like you mentioned, the microcosm society existing in that mansion and so on and so forth. I was like, you know, you know, I haven't subjected this to some analysis. But then later on, I did. And here's what I got from you. Okay. I got for you. Ready? Uh, I find it interesting that this movie can be argued as both being pro religion and anti religion at the same time. Oh, interesting. What do I mean by that? Maybe I'm going to introduce you to something new. Yes, please do. Um, you survive the demons and whatnot. By being blind and trying and going essentially, at least through uh, phases in the journey, uh, being blindly faithful in a message. Yeah. Come to the sanctuary, follow the river. Don't, you know, there's going to be rapids and you have to just be blind the whole time. Also, if I'd heard that message, I would not have gone no, there. No, fuck that. Stay that in the grocery was, store. That was creepy as shit, the way that the message came through. Yeah, go live in the grocery store. Go live in the grocery Fucking store. Morons. But anyway. So there's the pro- Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Get it there's, together. There's the pro-blind <laughs> faith message, right? Yeah. But then the people that are able to survive looking at the demons, Kyle, mm-hmm. are borderline portrayed as nutjob evangelicals. Oh, interesting. No? Yeah. That's how they well, come across. Anyway. That's my interpretation. for sure, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, who else is like, I want this to happen? Mm-hmm. Essentially, I interpreted the nutjobs that can survive looking at demons as your rapture wishing yeah. nut job evangelicals, the ones that want the rapture to happen. Because mm-hmm. they'll ride really it out. Point. Yeah. That's so I found really that fascinating. Point. I don't know if that's with the directors, or this is a book, by the way. It's probably a really bad read. 
Interesting. Um, but this is a book. So I don't know if that was the original intent, but it could be, you can argue both ways. That's both pro and con religious. When you said that it's a book, that uh, that always triggers for me because there's a very easy way to see when something is lifted from a book and it's not done properly to make it seem realistic while they're like dialogue and while the the situations and everything because uh-huh. there's so much imagination that you can put into a book that you can kind of fill in those gaps for yourself too right. but especially dialogue and especially symbolism if it's just taken from the pages and put on the screen it always uh stands out more so it's curious that you said that here's another interesting thing about this since i have poked around a little bit online about oh, good, people's good, kind good, of good, good. Uh, reactions to it and everything after the movie came out right after it came out like a day after two days after they started releasing visual effects stills and all of this extra content out on twitter and out on the greater world wide web and here is what I think the game plan is moving forward with anything like this it's to sanitize whatever your product is to make sure that the most people are going to be happy about it as they can be. And then secondarily, release all of your extras and things that will contribute to the world building and might have been controversial or just ideas that people had and to just throw all of that out there so that nobody can discern the product from the the completed thing from the ideas that they had. For instance, they were going to show all the demons in the movie and they had visual effect shots. They were going to show the demons. They were going to do a sequence where like one of her greatest fears, a baby and being a parent was going to come and be her demon. That was like going to like come to her in dreams and things. So think about that. That was all planned and that was all going to be done. They didn't do it. And then they would release all that stuff anyway. And it's like, why? Because people are sitting there pissed off. I didn't get to see the demons, and I'm mad. <laughs> so they need to know that there's demons, so then they, they pump it out there into the world. to. And to it, keeps satis- the com- yeah. it keeps the conversation going. It keeps exactly. it in the headlines and all that stuff. It'll never yeah. leave. If that's the new model, then I don't fucking care. You know? <laughs> I, I don't even have Netflix, so. So here's the, uh, the bottom line, then, is James doesn't have Netflix, and you'll be the one that... Uh, doesn't see the demons. Yeah, when they, I'm not. When they but I, but I'm the... aware of the hype that you're saying anyway. The sketches got released and all that stuff. I was like, yeah, oh, again, like, similar to the last episode. Like, just fucking leave it in the past. Like, who cares? You watched it. It was eh. So, I don't need the universe around it. I don't need everything explained. But Some I had things... fun watching it. Yeah, no, it was it was a fun watch. Like, gripping each other's knees. And, ooh, honey, baby, you know, keep me safe and all that stuff. So, Bird Box. Give it a grade. Uh, B minus, but edging its way into C plus territory. I'll give it a B minus too. Yeah. That seems equitable. <laughs> it's getting a lot of hype. Uh, it's getting us to even talk about it. Uh, not quite sure it deserves so much attention. You know? Mm-hmm. Go see a quiet place. Way better. Pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, we're out of time. Yes. Thank you all for listening. Check us out on YouTube and iTunes. Loud on set with Kyle and James. Anywhere you find podcasts, we are there. Send us a mail if you want to hear or chat about anything. Loud on set at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Go out and see some good movies and have a wonderful time. See you later. And cut.